Hello and welcome back to Lisa Express Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Akunwe. We are on a series called Sex Engine. I'm sure you listened to the introduction last week when we spoke about your brain as a powerhouse. Today, however, I'm going into something more interesting, which is pleasure in your brain. Because we cannot talk about sex and not talk about pleasure. We can't talk about stable relationships and not talk about pleasure. Because pleasure is one of the reasons for which we do the things we do. We cannot deny it. Humans are attracted to pleasure and we run away from pain. So whether it's food, it's money, it's work, whatever it is, there is a bit of pleasure attached to it. Pleasure is our motivation for coming back again and again and again. And that's what we want to learn about today. What does pleasure mean to your brain? So that this way you know how to make your relationships work in such a way that your relationships are pleasurable, not just for you, but for the people you are in relationships with, which means you, yourself, your friends, your inner relationship with yourself, by the way, yourself, your friends, your family, your kids, your partner, whoever is in your life, you should offer them and pleasure. When it comes to pleasure in our brain, the first thing we want to talk about is hormones. Everything in our brain is hinged on one hormone or the other. And I'm sure we've all heard about different hormones at different times. We've heard about leptin, we've heard about cortisol, we've heard about insulin, we've heard about serotonin, we've heard about estrogen, we've heard about oxytocin, we've heard about dopamine. They're just all manners of hormones in our bodies that we need to familiarize ourselves with. We don't need to know all of them. Some of them help us with appetite. Some of them tell our body that, oh, Lisa is done eating for today she is full and if i'm hungry i'm gonna have another hormone come up and say hi brain lisa is hungry can you send signal to the body and let the body know that lisa is hungry then there's gonna be another one another guy that's gonna come and say oh so lisa is eating a lot guys um i think she's actually tired maybe we need to get her to sleep and then another hormone is gonna kick start and like oh lisa needs to sleep she's tired and then lisa is at work and she's afraid of her boss and then another hormone is gonna kick in and be like oh my god lisa is worried and then that's anxiety Oh, oh, oh. oh my god oh my god take a deep breath that's another hormone at work that's another hormone completely but today i just want to stick to a few i'm going to be sticking with dopamine serotonin and um oxytocin these are hormones we've heard about before and then we've engaged with them at different times yeah so let's dive in and we're going to talk about endorphin as well. I'm sure you've heard the concept of someone being high on dopamine. Dopamine is a feel-good hormone. And um, dopamine is usually concerned with how you move, your coordination, pleasure, your reward. Your dopamine is what makes you a go-getter. That's the hormone you get that puts you in go-getter mode. It's like, oh, at the end of the year, I want to make one billion naira. And it's like, oh, okay. So what do we need to do to make one billion? And so when I start getting fatigued, like, you know, what was I thinking when I made this to people? I think I should have done, say, 300 million. And they're like, uh, no, we actually can't. That ginger, that's what motivational speakers are actually trying to reach for. They're trying to reach for that hormone because if we secrete it for a while, you might actually have enough motivation. It gives you motivation to go out and get a go. And then when you hit the good is like yeah we did it so let's say that 
this hormone is the one that triggers you to get in the power mode, right? It puts you in the power mode. And so when you're able to achieve something, you feel good. You have dopamine release. You have dopamine release at different times in your goal setting. That's why we tell people to set milestones so that when you hit the milestone, you have dopamine release because you're excited that you hit something. And then that new dopamine release gives you the motivation to go to the next level. But if your goal setting is just one big blank sheet, it means you only had dopamine release at the beginning when you said, I'm going to get it. And then at the ending where you finally get it. But what happens in the middle? That's why you need milestones so that you have, because your hormones are not releasing from one until night. It's not like, oh, dopamine, pa, 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 throughout the day. That's not how it works. No, it's that you make a goal right now, then you have dopamine release and then it fades. These hormones fade. Yes, they fade. It's like getting high on drugs, right? It fades. It fades after a few minutes. It fades after a few hours. That's why leaders and coaches will tell you to take an action not more than five minutes after you take a decision if you say oh i'm going to go to the gym at 6 a.m and then you set an alarm for six make sure 605 you are not inside your house because if at 605 you're still inside your house the motivation that sets the alarm might have faded by 606 at 606 you're not asking yourself are you sure i really want to go um if i sleep today i will still make it to Tomorrow. But the question is, why did you set the goal? If you can go back to why you set the goal, you'll be able to get yourself to release some dopamine again. I'm going to bring this to your bedroom. I always do. I'm nice like that. Okay. So that's the job of dopamine. Then we have serotonin. Serotonin is the regulator guy. You know, he's the one who's checking to make sure that your electricity doesn't blow your TV. <laughs> he's the one coming in to stabilize. Serotonin comes to stabilize stuff. It stabilizes your mood. This is what helps you make sure you're stabilizing your anxiety this helps you to go back to sleep you know all of that calmness that serotonin at work as a matter of fact when some people are depressed and they're given medication serotonin happens to be in some of those medications so that it can help them stabilize anxiety when you're dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with depression when your medication has serotonin however it can tamper with your sexual urges this is where you start having side effects for antidepressants like low libido and low sex drive, right? Another hormone to look at is endorphin. And I think endorphin is a hormone that is very sexually abused. I am advocating for endorphin right now. I think endorphin is sexually abused because endorphin is the hormone that helps with pain. I always give this example, and my younger was always laughing. Like, um, so imagine there was a lion chasing our ancestors right there in the wild, and there's this lion chasing them, and for some fantastic reason, this guy escapes, and while he's running away from the lion, he hits his leg on a rock. Excuse me, a rock. The worst that can happen is you lose a few toes, but you see that lion, if he touch you, hey, oh, the Nigerian in me is singing a song right now. If that lion touch you, ah, yeah, you calm down, right? So, they want to only your body to come down <laughs> so what your brain does is stone lion no no stone is small so your brain will mask the pain of the stone until you escape from the lion 
right? And then when you are now in safety, you now realize, oh my God, I hurt my leg when I was running away. I'm sure some of you, this scenario is familiar with a dog. Maybe a dog chased you and then you hit your leg. You didn't even feel it until you go home. You didn't get it. Or maybe you were at the gym and you told yourself that you don't like how your body looks and that you want to get fit. Maybe your relationship is getting messed up and you're not able to experiment sexually because you're physically out of shape and you say, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. And the motivation for going to the gym is that I want to experience more sexual pleasure. I want to have fun with my partner. I want to be able to flip my partner. Or even for your kids, I want to be able to carry my kids. I want to be able to play around with them. I want to go out with my kids and my kids don't feel embarrassed by their mom or embarrassed by their dad and all. And so your motivation for being at the gym is quite high. It's not just that I want to be at the gym. It's quite an inspirational reason that you're at the gym. When you're at the gym and you're fatigued, serotonin is the guy who comes in and masks the pain. It masks it until you are in safety. You are in a calm zone. Maybe when you want to sleep and then you wake up and you're like, ouch, that happened to you before you went to the gym? Wake up and ouch, what was that? Aha, that was serotonin. Serotonin deceived you. Okay, it didn't deceive you. It was on your side, yeah. But it was trying to help you. It was agreeing with dopamine to help you hit your goal. It was agreeing with dopamine. Dopamine was like, let's get out of here. And serotonin is like, okay, let's go. And so even though pain comes, serotonin marks it to help you hit the goal. Serotonin comes and say, oh, we need to escape from this lion or we need to escape from this dog or we need to get our hours in the gym in today. Okay, that's serotonin and dopamine and they are working hand in hand on your behalf. And then we have oxytocin. These hormones I'm mentioning are what people call feel-good hormones, right? Um, oxytocin is one of the most disrespected hormones. I said endorphin was being sexually abused. Yes, yes, yes. That's the concept of pain and pleasure. It's why people allow their body to get mangled in the name of um, sexual exploration and they weep themselves and they drug themselves and inject themselves. They don't feel the pain in all that high because endorphin is coming in to mask the pain. Have I spoken on endorphin? Oh, endorphin is the guy who marks the pain. Yes, endorphin is the one who marks the pain. So people abuse it sexually. They try out all forms of painful things. They physically abuse themselves, abuse themselves with consent in some situations, right? And then endorphin comes in and just marks the pain and the person doesn't realize how much pain they are in until everything is done and dusted and then pain comes in like, oh, did we actually get injured that much? That's endorphin. And that's why I said it is usually sexually abused. And then we have oxytocin. As a matter of fact, we humans abuse every hormone. We do. We are fantastic like that. Oxytocin is the hormone for bonding. It's the hormone that builds and solidifies relationship between a mother and a child. So post-childbirth, for example, the mother has to lactate. The lactation comes from oxytocin saying, oh, we have a child to protect and this child has to eat. So lactation has to take place. Lactation, by the way, is breast milking and everything, right? And so the baby is breastfeeding and then there's bonding going on between the mother and child. That's oxytocin. Oxytocin is what you get when your friend does something you love. Say, for example, they got you a gift and gift receiving is your love language that moment that joy that excitement that makes you feel like oh my god i love you that's oxytocin at work maybe you just had like the best sex of your life that's oxytocin playing and this person is looking like oh my god you're wearing golden crown your eyes are shining sparkling that's oxytocin at work oxytocin is here for bonding oxytocin is what happens for social bonding for reproduction for childbirth literally oxytocin is the guy in charge of 
this social relationship we have going on on this planet. It's the reason why we have a next generation. It's the reason why we have friends and family and communities. Because if not for oxytocin bonding us, like that chemical reaction, many of us would have no friends right now. We would have no kids. We won't take care of our kids considering the stress of taking care of kids. Kids can be very annoying sometimes because you love them. That bonding you've developed, that biological bond here, that's oxytocin at work. Now, how does this connect with your bedroom? Well, and how does it connect with your relationships? Because our goal is to help you recover from traumatic experiences and um, experience sexual pleasure, recover from your trauma and build stable relationships, right? If you do not lean into your hormones, if you do not explore them and exploit them, you stand the danger of living without feelings. Why would we try to pretend that we are not logical people? I was making this analogy just this week to a family member. I say, when people tell me they are not logical, I laugh. No, when people tell me they are not emotional, that they are logical, I laugh because that statement is first of all an emotional statement. And I explain why I say it's an emotional statement. People tell you I'm not emotional. I'm logical because they want you to see them as high-ended as mighty as above the crowd. And the reason you want to be seen as above the crowd is that it makes you feel significant. And if you feel significant, there is the hormonal compensation and there's also the social compensation. Because if we think you are above the crowd, we will give you an elitist position which gives you access to, say, better relationships. Yeah. If you come from a richer family, for example, you have access to other people in richer communities, meaning it's good for your business, you make more money. So eventually when people say, I'm not emotional, I'm a logical person, I'm like, I understand your desire to be significant, but can you be a little bit more humble about it? <laughs> because it's really funny how people disrespect other people because they think this other person is an emotional being. And I'm wondering, what makes you think you're not emotional? I mean, the reason you drink is because gives you certain chemical releases. The reason you smoke, the reason you have sex even, or rather part of the biological reasons you have these things, the reason you have a drive to make money, the reason you have a drive to own a business, you have chemical releases in your brain. You have hormonal reactions. Those are all emotions that are going to take place. There are emotions at different levels. So I think, first of all, it is denial to say you are not emotional. You are only logical. And I think it is disrespectful when you dis when you disregard other people and call them emotional, like being emotional is a stupid thing. The only thing I would advise, and I think a few other coaches and counselors, not actually, not a few, a lot of them will advise to not take decisions on the basis of just emotions, on the basis of a hormonal reaction in your brain, is that this hormonal releases, like I explained before, will not be here 10 minutes time to defend you. So don't just be excited. That's why people say don't take a decision when you're too happy or when you're too sad, right? Give yourself time to also process because you are both logical and emotional. And we spoke about your brain as a powerhouse last week. So go listen to that. Now, back into today's session about how pleasure is for your brain and how it affects your relationships and your sex life. If you do not make sexual relationship and intimacy a priority in your relationship, you don't have the drive achieve it 
And so sometimes I have couples tell me things like their sex life has changed. I'm like, okay, so what happened? Like it happened when the kids came. I'm like, okay, go on. Give me details. It's almost like they expected the sex life to stay the same. I mean, you wake up when it was just both of you. You wake up and it's just two of you in the house. The house is quiet. You have time for morning kisses. You have time for morning sex. Then you go to work and you return home to two of you. Now you have to wake up in the morning, maybe three hours before you used to wake up before or two hours before. You have to bath the kids. You have to dress them up. You have to get them ready to school. You have to drop them in school. Then you have to run to work. Then you come back from work. You don't want to leave them with a staff by themselves. You want to make sure you have eagle eye vision on your kids, right? Because you don't want them to be susceptible to abuse. So you're trying to be around them, spend as many hours as you can with them before they become teenagers and they become adults and leave your house. You're trying to spend as much time with them in the afternoon. There are assignments, then there is lunch, and then there's dinner, or then there's meeting in the office, and then you have to spend time with the kids. However your family functions, right? You have to go through all of these activities and you think you have strength in the night for sex. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. You have to make it a goal. Making it a goal sounds boring, but that's what you need to do. Because the moment you make it a goal, say, oh, we're going to have sex once in a week. However bad it is, we're going to have sex once in a week. The moment you do that, what you do is you've just released dopamine for the goal. Now you have hormonal backing, you have chemical backing, you have ginger. There's the activity. Your brain knows, oh, we need to have sex. We've not had sex this week. There's the motivation for it. And because dopamine comes as a go-getter, it gives you pleasure to know you met the goal. And so when you eventually have sex, say twice a week, you're not just having the glow from having sex. You're also having the glow from having met a goal. And that is a reward. That's like a two-way reward. Having sex is great. There is a reward to that. We'll come to that. But making the sex itself a goal gives you a two-way reward. Gives you the pleasure of, oh my God, I met the goal and the pleasure of the actual sex. That's one way to use the hormones. Use the hormones. That's what they're there for, to be used by you. Deliberately use them, right? And if you want to make this more fun, if you are that competitive a person, you can attach a physical reward to it. So say um, your woman doesn't like to start sex, right? There is a reward on the table for the first person to initiate sex that week. And so now both of you have the energy to initiate sex. You have the motivation to initiate sex. If she initiates it, it becomes really funny because we both know she doesn't like to do it. But now because there's a reward and her brain wants the reward, it wants to hit the goal, right? Dopamine is released in her brain enough for her to want to start it. Dopamine is being released in your head to want to get your money back. If it's money you put on the table, to want to get your money back. And so both of you are in a hurry and in a contest as to who initiates sex first. And so what happens is you might end up having sex up to three times in the week. Instead of both of you absolutely forgetting to have sex or absolutely forgetting to have conversations, whatever it is you both want to do in your relationship. Remember, this is about building stable relationships. So maybe you want to go to the gym more because you want to be more fit, because you want to be more sexy for yourself and for your partner. Good. Make it a goal. Don't just talk about it. Don't just wish for it. Make it a goal and then use your dopamine guide. Then we come to serotonin and to stabilizing you. You don't want to be going off all over the place, right? Um, if you don't sleep well, 
you actually go off. You go all over the place. You're not as coordinated the next morning because serotonin that should have been released and used was not released and used the way it should be used. And so tomorrow morning, you're waking up and you're not as coordinated as you should be. You're partly anxious. One of the ways to use serotonin will be to sleep. Make up your mind to say, oh, I'm going to sleep for six hours a day as an adult. Maybe I can afford to get eight hours on some days. I'm going to get minimum of six hours of sleep during the week and maybe do eight hours over the weekend or something. Make it a decision to sleep because if you're not rested enough and you are anxious, even when you come to your bedroom, you will still not be as coordinated. You are going to be disrupted. You're not going to be the best of yourself. Meditation will help. Meditation is a great way to get your serotonin to kick in. Sleeping is another great way to getting it to kick in allow yourself to get stabilized okay understand that if you're not at the best of yourself you can't bring the best of yourself to your relationship um then we go to endorphins we go to endorphins endorphins will mask your pain endorphins will mask your pain right but you also want to be careful to not abuse it so you and your partner having a fight and you haven't resolved the fight but then you're looking really sexy and you're feeling like just having sex and shutting up the quarrel well there are actual evidence to show that sometimes emotional pain feels as painful as physical hurts like emotional hurts feel as painful as physical hurts and so sometimes you need endorphins especially when you don't have a pain on your physical body like you don't have an actual injury then your endorphins are free to jump in on emotional pains and say oh this is hurting you and so you and your partner are having conflict and then they're looking really sexy in your eye and the endorphin is masking the pain because you're beginning to think sex wide you're beginning to think sexually and of course oxytocin is showing up like should we bond baby should we bond you know and so now your endorphins are distracting you what you want to do is make a conscious decision decision to say i'm going to address this pain don't just go and have sex and forget the the reason why you had the quarrel no 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 no. come back and address the actual situation because if you don't you're going to start having anxiety bouts over that conversation building stable relationships mean relationships where you can have actual communications about things that are hurtful about things that are out of sync about your anxiety level and your goals right so those are things to pay attention to and then finally on oxytocin oxytocin is for social bonding in reproduction, childbirth, and etc. Everything that has to do with love. Some people call oxytocin the love emotion, the love hormone. Every time you have sex, this guy comes to play. It comes in larger doses as opposed to when it's just um, someone doing something really nice for you. And so if I were you, I would invest in smaller doses and larger doses. Here's why. If you invest in smaller doses, it builds up and it has sustainability. Um, in one of my poetry, I had said something about how people don't want to grow up. They want to jump up and they wonder why gravity does its job, right? If you jump up, gravity will bring you down. But if you grow up, you earn the right to stay up, you know, like a tree. If a tree grows up, it actually does stay up that way. So if you invest in smaller doses, you build sustainability. So see, you asked you asked this person out and then you became friends or you met this person and you became friends then you became close friends you became confident and then you asked them out and you started dating there is that process of different levels of trust and so even if you were to have an issue in the relationship the person can go back in history to say oh when this person was my friend they were not like this if they started behaving like this something must have happened and they have more motivation to dig out what's wrong why because there are layers 
layers and layers and layers and layers of trust. But if all you have is just one huge dose of oxytocin that came after sex, then when issues, when problems strike, you really don't have a lot of backlog of, you don't have a lot of trust files for them to open. So if I were you, I would invest in building smaller trusts, speaking their love language, communicating the way they understand, connecting with them every single day, um, as petty and as little as holding their hands, right? If it's something that matters to them, as much as an um, act of service, working with them on their projects, giving them my ideas, so making sure they have the most blastastic sex of their life, making sure that sex with me is as phenomenal as they dream it will be, that I'm giving them the best of myself and I'm thinking of this person and I'm connecting with this person. That's the idea of oxytocin. That's how to use oxytocin in your relationship. So when you have quarrel with this person or you are in conflict, you have a disagreement, don't just say, oh, I'm going to jump to oxytocin and have sex and oxytocin is just going to bond us and we're going to forget the problem. Actually, it won't be bonding you. It's just going to be masking the problem. You're going to bond in this moment, but the bond isn't deep right now because there are cracks. The conflict is causing a crack. And remember endorphin, the guy who is hiding the pain, he's really hiding the pain. That's what you ask him to do. So sometimes you want to actually tell endorphin like, hey guys, stop, don't mask the pain. I want to confront the pain. Deliberately confront the pain. And when you want to confront the pain, make the confrontation a goal. Tell yourself, oh, I am going to resolve the conflict so that that way you have dopamine key in to give you the motivation and give you the coordination for that conversation so that you can make sure you get to the end of the conversation. And if you get to the end of the conflict, resolving the conflict becomes a reward for you. It becomes a reward. I hope I've been able to help you understand why people have sex when they're quarreling instead of actually sorting out the problem and why your partner looks so good in your eyes after sex and why pain and pleasure is a thing for people who practice bondage and the rest of it and um, how you can stabilize yourself in a relationship. If you have any question whatsoever, I am amazed when people send me questions that they would deem me worthy to answer their question. I love to answer your question. So all you need to do is go to www.lisaexpress.com and I promise you I don't know everything. But if you ask me the right questions and I don't have answers, that's why I have senior colleagues. That's why I have a network of professionals in the industry. I will send your question out anonymously. We will get you an answer on Instagram, LinkedIn, and on Twitter at Lisa Express C. Until next week when I see you. Bye and have fun. <laughs>